Welcome in everyone. Thanks for joining me. Today I'm going to discuss some ideas around exploring creativity in our meditation and Dharma practice. Uh, so as some of you know, uh, I've been exploring and practicing in the lineages of Tibetan Buddhism for the last 23 years. Um, nine of those years was spent as a Buddhist monk. And, um, you know, among other challenges, I think one of my challenges I faced is how to engage with a structured path because uh, the, the Buddhist lineages that are still in existence, you know, they do have structured paths and those are extremely useful. Um, so, you know, how, how to engage with a structured path and yet still approach it with some creativity. And so today I'm going to talk about some ideas of how I've worked with creativity in my Dharma practice and approach to the practice and understanding of uh, Buddhism. And I hope uh, this can give you some ideas uh, for how you might bring more creativity into your path. First off, um, I wanted to find what I mean by creativity here, because in the West, we often have this idea that creativity means creating something materially new so that like, you know, it's creative if we take the traditional Buddhist path, for example, and like make it our own and make it new. Now, there is something to be said for, for making it our own, but in my experience, making it our own is really something that should come out of working with the structure. So another example of this is um, I, you know, before I got into Buddhism, I was a musician. I've been a drummer most of my life. And um, I grew up playing jazz because my father's a jazz bassist. And um, a lot of people maybe don't know what jazz is. Jazz is not one type of music. Some people think of like a very kind of old timey thing when, when you hear the word jazz, but actually jazz is continually creating itself and, and, and creating new forms of itself, uh, I guess over the last eight years or something like that for a long time. And in jazz, we also have this, this, um, way we work with the, the art and the, the culture and the history of the music, which is, um, when you're training as a musician or, or as a jazz musician, you're actually working a lot with structure in the beginning. Uh, some people, when they hear jazz, they hear freedom, but actually that freedom comes from having mastered the structure to a certain degree. So I'm thinking of someone like John Coltrane, uh, who's a tenor saxophone player, probably one of the most famous uh, jazz uh, musicians ever, you know, um, the hero for many, many jazz musicians. And he... Um, you know, when you track his, if you if you start listening to his uh, journey as a musician from from his early records to his later records, towards the end of his life, he became quite free and he actually like explored what's called free jazz. And when you listen to it, some of it sounds very chaotic and unstructured, but there's there's genius underneath his playing there. And he was actually able to do that because he mastered not only the structure of his instrument and you know, jazz and also beyond jazz. I'm sure he trained a lot in classical and other styles of music, blues, etc. Um, but you see what I'm saying here. Uh, sometimes we think creativity means creating something new right away, but I think actually creativity comes from engaging with with a with a structure or a path. And so um, I'll just say that initially, because because for me that was a challenge. Because how do we adopt or or work with a structure of beliefs and ideas which which you know buddhism puts forward like the four noble truths or or um 
the Eightfold Path or any of these kinds of structures of working with our mind, how do we do that without it turning into a belief, but at the same time using it as a path to question our own beliefs? And so the first thing I, I would say around this, my, my advice would be to take it slow. Um, you know, we don't need to create something new right away. We actually don't need to make it our own right, right away. But we do need something as a mirror, in, in, in this sense, the Buddhist path uh, for me has been this mirror, to look back at my own mind, to look back at my own behavior, conduct, um, the way I relate to my thoughts, my emotions, the way I relate to me, and even like me-ness, like my identities uh, throughout my life. So in that way, uh, taking it slow, it's become in incredibly useful for me. I'll just share with you, you know, this sense of like, I think I never knew how many unconscious beliefs and biases and ideas I had about myself in the world until I started practicing the Buddhist path in this way. And so it's a lot like, um, you know, two stones coming together and rubbing up against each other or an analogy uh, I've heard um, some Buddhist teachers use as like a sharpening stone and a knife. And when you're sharpening that knife, both the knife and the sharpening stone are actually wearing away at the same time. And this creates the phenomenon known as a sharp knife. And in Buddhism, that sharp knife can be an analogy to this wisdom aspect of the mind that's able to cut through our projections and confusion about ourselves and others. I would say like that the initial projection we're trying to see is that we're not our thoughts. And I think, you know, many of you probably with, with just a basic mindfulness practice or maybe in the beginning of your, your meditation journey after putting in some effort, you can see that. You can have this experience where thoughts can arise and yet you're not identifying with them, even if that's for a minute or two. That's so powerful, right? And so we use that initial kind of glimpse to grow a wider experience of that so we can continually turn back and look at how we're perceiving ourselves and others, how we're relating to our emotions and thoughts. And for me, this is where the creativity is, because when I'm personalizing my thoughts and emotions, when I'm caught in, in let's say, being annoyed or angry or really clinging to something, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm literally chained down. I'm literally in a prison of my own making, of my own habits. And there's no creativity. There's just belief. And then, unfortunately, you know, following after that belief, you know, whether that's something positive or negative, right? I mean, hopefully we move more towards what's constructive and positive for us and others. But in either way, we're bound. So the Buddhist path is about getting unbound from this habitual pattern to believe what we think and feel. Now, of course, this doesn't mean we deny what we think and feel. Instead, we enter a process of curiosity. So that's kind of mainly what I wanted to discuss in this, in this uh, episode is curiosity for me is the, the one tool uh, that seems to give so much space and so much understanding and so much movement in creativity in relation to my spiritual path, um, in this case, Buddhism. And that being because I don't necessarily take any of the philosophies. I mean, these days, it was different for me 20 years ago. I think I shifted from being a believer in other things to being a believer in Buddhism, which I don't think is, is wrong necessarily. It's like a step we have to take. 
but Buddhism, the point of the Buddhist path is not to become a believer, right? So, so I think that's tricky. But initially, there's a lot of ideas. And of course, our mind clings to them and takes those on. And maybe that's a sort of a necessary step. But at some point, we have to open that process up. Um, and we, we, we even, you know, with healthy skepticism, we look at the Dharma itself. And then the Dharma also offers us a tool to look at our own beliefs with healthy skepticism. So I call this like a two-way mirror. And, um, you know, either way, if we're going into the extreme of belief in our own habitual patterns, projections, thoughts, and ideas, that's an extreme. And I think if we're just going into being a believer of, of a religion or a spiritual path, that's also an extreme because we're not then using it to engage with the mind. And with curiosity, it adds this creativity because there can be more open questions, more processes of inquiry where we don't immediately jump to an answer. So that's kind of what I mean by healthy skepticism. That's how I use it. I kind of use this, I don't know mind where, you know, uh, I just kind of look at something. Now we can look at it through analysis, through thought or, or logical reasoning. We do that in Buddhism as well. Or we can look at it just with raw awareness. So for me, this is one of the, the main benefits of meditative awareness practice is because we cultivate this quality of mind of watchfulness or awareness we cultivate it uh, uh you know to a point where it's strong enough where we can actually become watchful of something whether that's a thought an emotion an outer phenomena a sense perception like something we see and we're trying to experience that in the most raw way possible and within that watchfulness we can start to have what's called insight and that essentially makes up what we call insight meditation in all its different forms, right? All different kinds of methods around insight meditation. Insight meditation are those, those sparks of seeing beyond the projection. Now, again, I don't think, for me, that doesn't happen immediately. You know, it's like, this is a, a progressive over time. And definitely I have a lot of you know projections. It's not like I've cut through all of them uh, or anywhere near that. And that's not the point of what I'm saying. Um, for me, I'm not really so interested in the conclusion when it comes to holding creativity within my dharma practice. I'm much more interested in the process, the process of curiosity of what kind of questions can I ask or can I just sort of allow awareness to rawly take in information that I'm hearing, seeing, thinking, um, how I'm relating to a belief, or I think most importantly, how I'm experiencing an emotion because that's where we get really stuck because emotions are strong right they pull us in they grab us whether it's attachment anger jealousy pride whatever we get you know taken by our emotions and this is the you know one of the main causes of suffering so we have to have some way to break this down and some way to do this in in a creative way because for me it's almost, I don't know if I call it fun, <laughs> like, like seeing, you know, a destructive emotion when, when it pops up in my mind. I don't know if I'd say that's fun, but, the, you know, over the years, it's become creative. So there's some fluidity to that. There's some kind of like, you know, like when, when something piques your interest, you're like, mm, and you kind of look at that, right? You're kind of like, oh, interesting or, or wow, look at that. There's this quality that can come out of the practice eventually like that. But like I said, this doesn't all happen in a day. So we have to take it slow. We have to um, use our wisdom uh, and, and energy to practice and to develop 
both curiosity and this capacity to connect with that watchful, aware quality of mind. So I'll leave my thoughts on this uh, here today. I'd love to hear um, what you do in this department, how you find creativity in your practice. Um, I'd love to hear your feedback if you have any more to add on on what I what I just shared. And um, yeah, for me, this is all about kind of exploration and finding new ways to discover um, what's binding me essentially, because the Buddhist path is really focused on that. It's focused on like what is actually causing suffering. And it's not enough to know that conceptually. We actually have to see it through meditation because that's when we develop the pivot or the shift away from the causes of that suffering or pain or dissatisfaction, or, uh, you know, which Buddhism generally agrees is, is coming from the mind. So thanks so much. I hope this helps. Wishing you all the best in your practice and exploration of the mind.